Hello everybody, Dr. F. Scott Field here, and I'd like to introduce you to our newest sponsor. The NPTE Final Frontier is the review course that I wish was around when I took the board exam. For those of you who know my story, it took me a handful of times to pass that exam, and quite frankly, I really wish I had an, a, an exam review course around, uh, just like the NPTE Final Frontier. Uh, check out their website, npteff.com, and use the code HET at checkout for 10% off to all of our listeners and fans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Healthcare Education Transformation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. F. Scott Field. Uh, I've got with me a great guest today that's going to uh, break down a little bit of a program that he went through. Um, it's it's an interesting program on a fellowship, actually, in higher education leadership. So I'm excited and pleased to bring on our guest, Dr. Torin McLeod. Torin, tell us a little bit about your educational journey and how it's kind of led you to where you're at today. Yeah, well, so first, thanks for having me. It's yeah. nice to get to meet you. And, uh, you know, we've, we've been, I don't know, following each other for a while. So it's nice to nice to, to sit down and, and have a chat. You know, uh, that's a that's a tough question. I, I, I think what that, that question is kind of a tough one. I get that question pretty frequently with like new students and folks wanting to get into physical therapy. And my journey is not normal. So I, I would say that, that, that it's pretty normal for people to say that, but my journey really wasn't normal. Um, is that is that you know most a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I kind of took a, a you know a varied route to get into PT school, or or there are many who in my my cohort of students that kind of went straight to PT school. They're 20 years old, you know, they're not yet 21, and they're they're entering a PT class. So there there are certainly those folks that I think t- take up, you know, the majority of the individuals in, in my PT class. But, but I, I was, I don't know that I was non-traditional, but I was very passionate about education, I'll say. So, so I, I did an undergrad degree in kinesiology, and then I went to, um, I, I, I did chemistry as well as kinesiology and, and pre-athletic training. And then I did a nuclear chemistry um, and got into like uh, Department of Defense, Department of Energy, sort of uh, radiochemistry stuff that took me into medical school. And I so I went to medical school and and did a year of that and really learned that I I should not be a physician. And and so you know I, I left medical school with a bunch of debt. So I, I I took a desk job, did that for couple of years, paid off the med school debt, um, lived in Italy. It was great. Oh, you should go. Um, um, and then, you know, really, again, realized that, that education is my, my jam. So I went to, I, I was really looking across California for a semester-based program because I'm, I'm just, the quarter system's too fast for me. So I did, um, I went to Sac State and uh, where I am now, I did um, really exercise physiology, but I was, I was really interested in biomechanics. Um, it was something that was available in undergrad, but I didn't do. And my background in, in, in school is really math and, and, and physics. So I, I really love biomechanics. I love human anatomy. That was always my thing. So I, um, did a, a master's in exercise physiology, but I was really doing motor control biomechanics. 
And that I started running a lab, a biomechanics lab. And so the faculty in the PT department said, hey, you, you know, why don't you help us out with some research? And that, like, I hadn't really thought about physical therapy at that point, but, um, but it made a lot of sense to, to kind of get back into the medical field. And, and it was just so, such an easy transition from biomechanics. And in comparison to medical school, it was, it was pretty straightforward. So did the PT program uh, at, again, at Sac State. And then I recognized how we were just talking about this before we started recording, but like, you know, the, the professor's life's pretty good. Um, so I recognized that, yeah, I could do that. Like that, that seems like, you know, um, from doing construction and such, uh, to pay for undergrad, you know, some pretty physical manual labor, this is better than crawling under a house for the whole day, uh, you know, or, or, you know, framing houses. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I can be a professor <laughs> and, um, and so I went to do a PhD. I recognized that that was really pretty important to getting a job. So my interest there was in, in again, motor control and I'm, I'm a runner. So the knee joint was really interested to me and I, I played soccer uh, growing up. So I was really looking for the best at that point. And, and I looked at university of Delaware and a couple of places like internationally, but university of Delaware kept on coming back is really like the best place on the planet to do what I wanted to do. And so, you know, I went and got very lucky, actually. I interviewed, I think, three people there um, for a PhD spot. Uh, I flew back, you know, my own dime and, and just went and sort of checked it out and really studied with the, you know, the best people on the planet for my the questions that I had, which I just fell deeper and deeper into the sort of Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole as I got into it, which is which is what you do in a PhD. So so I studied with Lynn Snyder Mackler and Tom Buchanan. And it was just the most positive, positive, difficult experience you can imagine. Like a PhD is not is not easy. You always lose some something dear to you. <laughs> it, it is very painful, but it was, it was just a wonderful experience. Um, uh, and then I did a postdoc in radiology. I came back to UCSF and did quantitative imaging, got NIH funding and like sort of journeyed in that direction before returning to, to Sac State as a, a faculty member and just to, you know, continued, continued down the sort of faculty route. Yeah, I mean, I thought my journey was weird going from English major to physical therapist, but uh, yeah, you definitely got me beat, man. That's a heck of a journey, but I, I love hearing it. We love those stories, man. That's like, you know, it, it just goes to show like you can you can take any route to get there. You know, it really doesn't matter. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think one of the issues that we kind of have these days is that we're probably going to be lacking in a lot of terminal degrees in the next couple of years as some of the best in the business start retiring, right? So uh, I, I don't know. We're going to have to figure that out in the physical therapy realm of, of what we're going to do to kind of encourage more people to pursue a, a terminal degree. It's, you know, like you said, not easy. It's a labor of love for sure. Uh, you really got to be passionate about it and love it. Uh, otherwise, it's uh, going to be grueling. So. Um, but that's a whole nother rabbit hole that we can get down another day. Um, I want to talk today a little bit about this program that you just recently finished up, uh, the Fellowship in Higher Education Leadership. Uh, tell us about that, the APTA's fellowship. Uh, that's something that we haven't talked about, uh, you know, and, and I just want to hear what it was like. So I 
you know, I'm, I guess I'm pretty driven as, as you, you are when you're doing PT school really, or, or, you know, going into the PhD, um, route. And so I, you know, I've been doing, doing the, the faculty thing now for about 10 years. And, um, I thought, you know, what, what's the sort of next progression? Um, and in my department, it, it is, you know, the, the role of department chair, is 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 one that is either like loath like nobody wants to do um or which is pretty common actually in, in many departments and and but also you know it's one that um there's some preparation like if you don't want to sort of stumble into that um but i actually was really interested in becoming department chair and and i think just the progression into a leadership role and also the the sort of visionary component is is something that is, is more my my speed I, I i my my brain typically lives like in the 25 to 50 year out you know from where we're at so i went to my department chair and said you know what what sort of things wish you know do you wish you had done or had you done to prepare for becoming department chair um just thinking about succession and you know best preparation for that. The fellowship was one thing. Becoming a CAPTI reviewer was another thing. Um, I think that was those the the main two things. Oh, and then just getting on a couple of the, the committees, the department committees. So so uh, the, actually the becoming a CAPTI reviewer, well, that was tricky. Um, that that was a, a, a harder thing to achieve. It was kind of like winning the lottery. So I, I finally did that. Um, but the fellowship is just a bunch of work. The The purpose of the APTA, it used to be called ELI, Education Leadership um, Institute, and now, now it's uh, the Fellowship and Higher Education Leadership. It, it's through the APTA and the uh, APTA education, and, and, and so in combination, they put on this about a year-long fellowship um, and that cohort has kind of has kind of grown a little bit. So there, there might be, you know, 20 to 30 people uh, per annual cohort. And, and it's really to train leaders. So so th that's that's most commonly um, department chairs, but it is also and, and that can PTA, PT, um, but it also is uh, directors of clinical education uh, so your DCEs, your residency uh, directors in how to navigate the sort of university realm um, in, in leadership. So you're, you're managing up, managing uh, your, your group, um, how to you know, navigate students, a, a budget, um, how to just just become a better leader and and what's so interesting is you know you start into this role and realize in the first the first uh, module is really recognizing that you're already a leader you just you know sort of need to polish uh, a lot of those things so it, it it's a uh, it's fantastic it's so so i'd love to talk about it yeah man let's uh, let's go through the process so talk us a little bit through like uh, you know the application and then the layout and then you know like you said about a year's worth of a program walk us through what that looked like for you 
Yeah, so the application is, um, you know, you need some letters of recommendation. I don't remember the cost exactly, but it, it usually requires sponsorship from your university. There were a few people that paid out of pocket for it. Kudos to them. But but many people actually in the program are doing it as part of their uh, their hiring process. So it was it was their their job was I don't want to say contingent, but it was it was based on doing the fellowship um, as they had just become department chairs. So I was one of the few individuals that actually wasn't already a department chair. Um, most people were either had been a department chair and recognized they needed you know, or they wanted uh, additional training, or it was like, it was part of their, their hire. And um, so, so there's the application, the university, you know, is uh, responsible for uh, the costs that include books, the, the uh, fellowship itself, and then travel. So travel is generally, now I, I did it during part of it, I did, did was during COVID, a, a big portion of it, that isn't always uh, virtual was virtual. Um, but typically you meet three times in person. Uh, and one of those is at ELC, one's at, at CSM. Um, and, and so we did part of that. Um, and, and then there's graduation. And graduation is a, you know, a whole, it's at, at APTA headquarters. And that's a whole you know, workshop, two-day workshop in itself. And then, and then there's the graduation at the end. Um, the, the application is, is a big, actually, I, I learned a lot just in the application process of, um, the thought process around, uh, around leadership. And, and then you come up with a project. Uh, so you design something that would benefit your university and department, uh, as well as something that really you, you work on throughout the year under the guidance of, of usually two mentors, uh, that are assigned you, there's color groups. Uh, so four, four color groups that, um, that the cohort is split into and you have, uh, these two mentors that sort of guide you and they meet with you monthly, uh, to talk about what's going on in the module, what's going on with you as a leader, um, and also your, your project, any questions that come up. And then, and then there are these, these sort of three is really kind of four trimesters, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but there's, 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 there's these modules that are broken down into three sections within each of those. And they're, they're clustered around topics. So leadership is the first one I mentioned. And, and so you have these uh, experts that come in and guide your, your readings, your homework and your thought process around, around your development in that content. And then, and then also, before I forget, you have an institutional mentor. So you have somebody in within your university that is usually like kind of towards the top. Um, so I had a vice provost as my institutional mentor and I met with, I met with them almost weekly, um, for like an hour each time. And, and, and that gets into like your sort of, so for instance, like human resources, maybe at your, your university is, 
the typical person that that you interact with for hiring and fi firing and um, uh, any any sort of job related questions. But that's not true at my department in my university. In my university, it's the uh, Office of Faculty Advancement. So we our human resources does very little actually with with kind of the normal human resources component so my institutional mentor was able to sort of help me navigate that process and and just how to communicate with specific individuals and then and then sort of down to the minutia the reading is heavy so uh there are there are some sections that uh were you know like five to 10 hours a week. Uh, but there were others that were more like 20 to 40 hours a week. So lot, lots of reading. Um, yeah, that's a full-time job in itself there, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I created like a Amazon book list that this was one of the hats that I wore just to, for the collective, the whole, whole cohort where I, anytime a book would get mentioned, Oh, you should read this or something on the reading list within the um uh the, the homework or the sort of the module pamphlets that come out um i would add that to this this amazon book list and thankfully many of them were on um uh, audiobooks mm. so i was able to do them you know while exercising or doing something else and um but like the the legal uh, affairs section was it was tremendous the amount of reading. Um, so, so I think I think you know if you're interested in taking the the fellowship and you're doing this in the future, my advice to you would be that to consider the readings really a, a repository of information. That if you're really into a particular section, like how about it? Read read that stuff. Um, but at the same time, like that's a book list for you to use when you need it having read all of those legal documents i can't keep all that in my head yeah. and 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 now i'm realizing that oh we like yeah like reading the things that were really crucial at the moment was was the point and then being able to sort of like you know um i guess read them skim them to the point that you know what's in there and then later on you can recall through your notes oh I have this resource to depend on um, as in this new leadership role. Gotcha. So, uh, I mean, all right, we, we, you know, we've broken down how to get in, wh who it's for, you know, and what the process looks like getting through it. Tell us a little bit about your experience and what you took from it. What were like some of the highlights that you left with after you finished this fellowship? Yeah, I mean, from from my experience, but also everybody that I've spoken with, it's it's about the uh, the connections, and that that's so common, you yeah. know, with what we do. Um, and so there are thirty people now, and and actually we created like a larger group. Um, this all the graduates, it you know the connections, and even still, actually, people that I meet that they they I see like in their signature, or they mention that they're a, a you know a fellowship graduate. Oh wow, yeah, me too. And all of a sudden, there's this bond, you know. So it, being able to speak with uh, another individual, like we we have semi semi regular meetings, and just to talk to them and say this is what's going on with me. There's there's already a framework, like a literal framework for a discussion. We have um, uh, a very clear and systematic way to discuss uh, 
you know, how, how to navigate whatever issues come up and there are always issues, you know, so, so just being able to talk about those things with other people that not only have the framework, but have the experience and, and likely have, you know, pretty sound advice. Yeah. I can't tell you enough how many times I've said to my students, your network is your net worth. And it's a cliche phrase, but it's true because again, when, you know, when they come in on orientation day, I say, Hey, you should have been networking already, but the second best time to start networking, if you haven't is today. Right. And I can't remember going, you know, as far back as 10, 15 years worth of practice where I've had to actually physically apply for a job, like with a resume, they've all come through my network. They've all come through referrals or just, you know, talking with people within my, my network, uh, or somebody says, Hey, there's this position you'd be great for it. Check it out. I'll put in a word for you. Right. Like having that network to fall back on for whatever it may be for however long you never know. Right. But it's just having those people to go to. And, and luckily the podcast has been great for that. You know, it's expanded my network tenfold. So I, I don't know everything. I don't claim to, I don't want to, but at least I know who to get you to, to find the answer if I don't know it, you know? So I think that, like you said, is key to be able to lean on these people and, and talk to them already having gone through the same thing. And like you said, having that framework to be able to pull from and say, Hey, you know, this is what's going on. You know, how, how have you dealt with it? What have you seen? You know, it's, it's nice to have that, 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 safety blanket to fall back on. You know, I think it's, it's a, a super important takeaway. So that's awesome. I love hearing that. Well, Torn, it's been a great experience talking with you, man. I really love learning about this stuff. I hope our audience, uh, you know, took something from it. Um, we like to ask all of our guests this one final question. And that question is, if you could change one aspect of higher education, whether it be DPT or otherwise, what aspect would you change? Why would you change it? And how would you change it? Yeah, well, I'm passionate about uh, access. Part of that is affordability, but also just the ease of education. Um, so really how I try to model uh, my content is is uh, very, very maximizing throughput. Um, so individuals can essentially take my classes um, before they come to PT school. So things like Khan Academy are, 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 are really exciting to me. Um, where, you know, you can get up to an, a, you know, full undergraduate degree in many areas, uh, for free. What you don't have access to is, you know, is my tests, my exams, my, my sort of my feedback and structure. But, you know, what I tell students when they come to my classroom is that I'm really just speeding up the process of learning, um, you know, you can you can learn to do all sorts of things with YouTube or the internet or you know books. The problem is that that you you know it's not it's not always a straight route. Is that sometimes you'll learn something that's wrong, and it's so hard to unlearn that and then come back and and get back on the the, the fast track. Um, or it's just slow, like like you you're stumbling over something, and just a really simple like fix or uh, or or cue could help an individual just really jump over that and and not not sort of have issues with whatever they're stumbling on. I, I'm 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 hopeful that in the future education, just like historically, you know, just teaching people to read um, was was a real way to keep people out of power. Um, 
today I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, we can, we can continue to push forward on that and make education a lot more accessible, especially going into the future. You mentioned the terminal degrees as the rates of applications uh, for undergraduate degrees are really decreasing. Uh, and in particular in underrepresented minorities, um, it's, uh, you know, to, to, to go backwards is, is really disappointing. So I'm hopeful that we can make education essentially free, uh, for, particularly for those individuals that can't afford it, um, and to make it very, very accessible for all individuals. Um, that, that's that's what I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, you know, in, in general for that. I, I think one one area that I'm really interested in is is you know we, we work as physical therapists. In particular in our field for with individuals that have physical disabilities uh and i think it's interesting um you know interesting i, I i'm disappointed that we have such poor uh, representation of individuals with physical disabilities as clinicians in physical therapy and that's an area i'm i'm hopeful that we can fix in the future is is it, it, the the, the evidence is clear that if you're in a, a teaching position, you know, especially as a as a clinician, you know, as we're all PT educators, um, that that the the clients or the students do better. Uh, they have better outcomes either in their education or in their clinical outcomes um, yeah. with uh, if they're reflected in the in the, the person that's doing the providing the service. If if we're working with people with physical disabilities, you know, we should uh, be having that have that experience as well. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Shout out to Dr. Scott Love uh, at University of St. Augustine down in Florida. There, uh, amputee teaching the prosthetics, orthotics, and amputation course. So uh, definitely, I, I get where you're coming from on that. We need better representation across the board. Uh, you know, and then that trickles down eventually into our physical therapists who then go out and treat patients who are better represented, right? They're seeing somebody who's just like them. And now they're like, hey, this is this is my my people. This is who I want to be treated by. This is awesome, you know? Um, so yeah, we need we, we we need a lot. Yeah, I tell you, you you almost hit the trifecta there on on that, right? So better access, right? DEI, cost, you know, and then and then representation. So you 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 hit them all, man. That's that's a solid, solid change. Now we got to get to work and, and figure out how to make it happen, right? That's that's the next step. So, uh, Torin, like I said, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on so much and educating the uh, the general audience about uh, the fellowship and all. Where can people find you on social media or whatever if they want to reach out or just kind of catch up with you and see what you're up to these days? Yeah, on, on Twitter, I'm at uh, TorinMcLeod. Or Tora McLeod, I guess. Um, so that that's a good place to find me. Um, you know, there there's only one Torin that I know. So T T O R A N. Uh, there's there's not too many. So so if you just Google that, you should be able to find me. Awesome. Yeah, we'll put the links in the show notes so people can find you easily. Thank you so much again for your time, man. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Nice meeting you.